Okay. How many of you have had thoughts like this? I hate the way I look in that picture. I will never be the size I want to be. I don't want to go on this vacation or to this event because of the way I look right now. No one's ever going to love me at this weight. If any of those strike a nerve for you, you are not alone. And weight, unwanted weight, excess weight, trouble losing weight, these are really common issues that we face as thyroid thrivers. The struggle is real. But we can also help ourselves in the pursuit of maintaining a healthy weight and coming to more body acceptance in the way that we speak to ourselves about this and in the way that we even think about and approach weight loss. That's what we're going to be talking about today with my very special guest, Tanya Shah, who specializes in helping women come to a healthier relationship with their bodies, with their weight, and ultimately helping them, you know, get to a place where they're happy and satisfied with the size that they're at. If you've ever struggled to love the way you look and feel right now, or if you've ever struggled to accept your body, this show is for you. It's going to be a great show with Thyroid Thrivers, so stick around. Hello, Thyroid Thrivers. Welcome back to another episode of Thyroid Healthy Bites, a weekly podcast dedicated to helping you live well and eat well so you can feel well. I'm Ginny Mahar, your host and the face behind the apron at hypothyroidchef.com. Hey Thrivers, before we dive into today's episode, I wanted to give you a quick heads up to help with your thyroid healthy Thanksgiving. This episode is dropping on November 8th, 2023, and I know a lot of us are starting to think about our Thanksgiving menu. And for those of us who don't eat things like gluten or maybe dairy or sugar, Thanksgiving can be a real source of stress. How do we figure out recipes that we're going to enjoy, that our families are going to enjoy, and that aren't going to taste like compromise? This is something I have literally been working on for years at my own Thanksgiving table as a chef and recipe developer, and that's why I created the Thyroid Healthy Thanksgiving Survival Guide and Cookbook. It's available now at hypothyroidchef.com Thanksgiving, and it gives you everything you could possibly need to take all that Thanksgiving stress, all the hours of searching for recipes, all the organization, the shopping lists, and I put my years of experience and recipe testing instantly into your hands. So if that sounds like something that could help you through this holiday season and beyond, you can check out the Thyroid Healthy Thanksgiving Guide at hypothyroidchef.com Thanksgiving, and I will put that link in the show notes for you. Okay, let's get back to the show. Hello, and welcome back to the show, Thyroid Drivers. I'm here with a very special guest, Tanya Shaw, to talk about body acceptance and shifting our mindset around weight loss. We're going to be sharing ideas today about loving yourself at any size, and also maybe even thinking about shifting our focus away from weight loss. Even though that's a perfectly okay goal to have, but we're going to dive into all this stuff today. I think this is going to be a really fun interview. I'm so excited to meet you, Tanya, and be here with you today on Thyroid Healthy Bites. Thanks so much for having me. It's going to be an important topic, I think, so I'm excited to dive into it. 
Yeah, for sure. Um, I'll go ahead and introduce you to everyone, tell them a little bit more about you. Tanya Shaw is a functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner, kinesiologist, and mindset coach. She's the founder of Fit and Vibrant Coaching Programs, the owner of Ascend Fitness and Lifestyle, and host of the Fit and Vibrant You podcast, which is amazing. By the way, I absolutely love her podcast. Through functional lab testing, personalized wellness protocols, and mindset coaching, Tanya helps her clients live fitter, healthier, and more vibrant lives in midlife and beyond. She and her husband, Keith, and their son, Jacob, uh, live in Chilliwack, about an hour outside of Vancouver, Canada. She loves being outdoors, so we're very much birds of a feather that way. Um, she loves running, hiking, paddleboarding, cycling, camping. So we're, we're very much like outdoor enthusiasts and women who want to stay fit and be fit in spite of whatever health circumstances we may be facing so that we can do these things that we love to do. Really excited to have this conversation with you today because this is such a huge and pertinent topic for my audience of mostly women with hypothyroidism or Hashimoto's. I was hoping maybe, uh, you know, why don't we just start, I guess, if you don't mind telling us a little bit about your personal journey and what brought you to being a coach and functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner. Yeah, thank you. Um, and thanks for the interview and the introduction. And before I even dive into my story, I just love that you said that we want to focus away from weight loss, but then it's also still perfectly acceptable to have a weight loss goal um, because we often do have like, we're like damned if we do and damned if we don't. <laughs> we're like, it's great to lose it. If we gain weight, we're ashamed. If we want to lose weight, we're ashamed. Uh, my journey, I've always been into sports and physical activity. And I know as a youth, as a teenager, I just really found my, 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 my tribe there. I connected with people through horseback riding, through running, through track and field, through school sports, through I'm um, outside of school sports too. And I love the way it made me feel like I love just the, the creativity and that those endorphins you got after a run or something like that. I, I enjoyed that. And I also was into science. So I found out there was something called kinesiology where I could take my love for sports and the human body and combine it with science and the biology and physiology of, of it too. So I did that at the University of Victoria in British Columbia. And after that, I started as a kinesiologist at a, at a physiotherapy clinic. And in there, I started training golfers and I started just doing some personal training as well. And I loved that side of it. I love getting to work one-on-one -on -one with my clients. I love getting to really know their story and to help them. And I loved what fitness was able to provide us in life. And it was the confidence, it's the ability to go do things in life. It's really to, to live your life. And along the way, actually, was when I was at that uh, that first job there, I also did my very first diet. And I was in my early 20s. And that's quite old for a lot of people. They did their first diet when they were eight, when their moms took them to Weight Watchers. Or, and I lost, I think it was seven pounds in nine days. And I was didn't really have any weight to lose anyway, but it made me feel really good. You know, you have like all of a sudden your clothes for fitting better and um, looser. And it's just sort of, you were riding on cortisol because you weren't eating enough and all the things. And for a lot of people, when they start their diets, they go into this on again, off again, you know, weight gain, weight loss. And I actually went to a very restrictive, restrictive place and I became very obsessed about food and very like, um, like overly health conscious. And at the same time, when I, I moved from, um, I was living on Vancouver Island there 
I moved to where I live now in Chilliwack and I started my own personal training practice in my own business and still going strong here today. And man, how did I make a lot of mistakes along the way? Because I thought everything was about you know low carb diets and high intensity interval trainings and strength training. And my clients would get results for, for a while, but then there was something missing. There was a big gap between Gail's information, but how do I actually sustainably do it for the long term? And I was also dealing with my, also my very rocky relationship with food and my body and body acceptance and my self-worth and, you know, always attaching it to the number on the scale or trying to manage my weight by double workouts and you know, going pretty <laughs> intensely to my, on my, on my body. And I realized as, as when you're personal training, it's very personal. And a lot of other people were also struggling with, you know, the consistency piece or just, you know, I know what to do. I'm not doing it. And everyone had their own sort of story, their own variation on that. And it was in 2015 that I just really realized that what I was doing was not working. And I was treating my own body like a piece of meat. Like I was just like, you know, looking at myself in the mirror and judging myself and equating myself worth by what the scale said. And I did not want to look back at my life and regret not fully living it because I was caught up with this diet cycle and always trying to restrict, always trying to like the pursuit of the next five pounds or those last five pounds. And I just actually made me really sad just to think that when I'm in my nineties, I'd look back and I'd just be like, what the heck were you doing when you had like, you know, you could just go and really live. So I got into intuitive eating. I started reading that book and I rejected it. I wanted my problems to be solved by another diet plan. And I thought, well, when I get my eating under control, when I lose the weight, then I'll become an intuitive eater. Then I'll start, because I liked the idea of it, but it was very scary. And it was in 2015 where I started the Fit Environment You podcast, because I wanted to bring out this message of what real health could look like. And I also recognize that for so many people, they would you know, do some of the eating, like you know, become a, like learn, learn about healthier eating. And then their mindset would change. And their lifestyle would actually change, but for a lot of people, it wouldn't, you know, they would do the thing for a while, but then they would just revert back to their old habits. And I just wanted to figure out what that gap was. And if we could be more intentional on not just working on, okay, what, you know, what are the habits I need to be doing? What are like you know, the best protocols, but also what is going on inside so that I can actually be sustainable with it and not be like this thing where I need to choose between you know, being healthy and living my life. Cause we often say, you know, live a little, that usually means just like not caring. And, and I just wanted to find out what that could be like and how you could have this uh, marriage between taking care of your health, but also just really, really enjoying the process and not being it being this thing that would define you or this thing that you would only be able to do for a short period of time. Cause you're relying all the time on willpower and Mindset, like since then, mindset, I think is everywhere now. We we learn a lot, like everyone's talking about mindset, but I don't think that a lot of people ever are taught how to change their mindset and how to learn how to think differently and how to have better conversations with themselves. And so I did a lot of work in that. And then it was in uh, 2020 when COVID happened and my studio shut down that I really launched in the online space and worked with now women all over uh, the world, which is amazing. And then I realized there was yet another gap that a lot of my clients were, you know, changing their mindset and changing their habits and they were feeling better and they were, you know, being at more with peace at food and um, started to actually be friends with themselves, which is amazing, but they still weren't getting the results that they wanted to. They were like, yeah, I still do kind of want to lose weight though. 
And that's when I dove more into the functional health space because I wanted to look what was happening underneath the surface to see like, because you can have the best mindset in the world, but if you're not doing the right thing for your body, then you're still not going to get the results that you want. So now I combine the brain science, which is really about the the mindset, our conversations with ourselves, uh, routines so that we actually are staying focused on our goals every day. and, And then also the body science piece, which is more the it's kind of fun. Like it's, it's interesting stuff, but it's like, so what do I actually do um, to, you know, get my body to where I want to be? And, and so it's a little bit of both and it's been a journey. And I'm sure if we chatted in two more years, I'd have like another <laughs> stage set. And like, and then I discovered this, but you know, like yourself is, is you, you know, we always learn and it's just, it's fascinating. It's exciting. The more you learn, the more you realize you don't know, <laughs> and then you want to learn more. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for sharing that story. There's so many nuggets in there. I just, I want to talk about it all. One thing that really popped out to me was when you said uh, you were starting out as a personal trainer and you said, I realized personal training was personal. Mm -hmm. And I think that's so much of uh, health coaching as well, or, you know, being a functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner, I'm sure, you know, working with people one-on-one, you know, you often start working with clients and they're like, well, here's my health issue and how do I fix it? And they're surprised sometimes to find how much of the conversation inevitably ends up going to, how are your relationships? How is your relationship mm-hmm. with yourself? How are the thoughts you're thinking, your mindset? All those things come into play beyond just, I want to reach a goal. What are the you know linear steps I have to take to get there? And I think that speaks so much to weight loss too, which you so aptly pointed out. Like this is a complex pursuit. It's way more than just calories in, calories out. There's a lot more going on here, you know, especially for us as women who we're inevitably exposed to all this messaging around we're supposed to be small or we're supposed to look a certain way, you know, the magazines and all of that stuff, you know, maybe things our parents taught us or partners in relationships, things people said along the way to us about our physical bodies that, mm-hmm. you know, really manifested in us. I mean, all these things come into play mm-hmm. and kind of have to be looked at. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. It is very complex. I mean, if we, if we were just, like if it was just our biology and that was it. And, and we, all we had to work on was that. I mean, it could be a little bit more simpler. Like I tell my clients too, if we, if you lived in a vacuum and all you had to do is like, think about yourself and that was it. Um, taking care of yourself could be you know a lot easier, but we have emotions and we have, we do have relationships and we have a lot of limiting beliefs and we have um, stories that we're told. And then we have all the fears, like though we don't know what we're afraid of. We're just swimming in fear of failure of success or the unknown <laughs> or, you know, or the process pain. There's just, there's just so much that we get to go through. And, you know, I think it, it's really important. And then you layer on things like, you know, hypothyroidism or, and there's just, there's just so much. And one of the, I think one of the most important uh, mantras and, and mindset shifts that you can make when it comes to body appreciation and, and body appreciation does not mean complacency. It doesn't mean that you 
are never going to want to pursue or, or try or do, you know, get better. That's not what it means at all. But this idea that your body has always tried the best she can for you. And sometimes that means slowing down your metabolism and having a sluggish thyroid. Sometimes that means um, going to food to cope with emotions. Sometimes that means um, putting on weight. Like that's, that's sometimes just what the body does because she's fighting so hard for your survival. And when I think of that for myself, it really makes me feel more peaceful and more together with my body. Not so much of like, I'm always, we always have the idea like we're fighting our body. Mm-hmm. Like we wish it was going to be doing different, like something different. And we almost have to feel like we have to like bully our body or hack our body into, you know, to, to conform. But our body has like such amazing wisdom and some things go wrong because that's the response to sometimes the things that we've had, we've gone through in life. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yes. And I'm so glad you brought that up because that's so pertinent to the hypothyroidism conversation. Mm-hmm. In many ways, hypothyroidism is a protective mechanism. Mm-hmm. It's something our body often does in response to stress. And it can be something our body does even in response to dieting. It's like, oh, it's a famine. Let's slow down so we can conserve every possible calorie. If we can, let's store some fat so we can make it through this famine. I mean, exactly. Your body is trying to protect you. And, you know, I'm sure I don't have to tell you, Tanya, like, as you know, hypothyroidism or Hashimoto's and weight gain often, not always, but often do kind of go hand in hand. It is Mm -hmm. a real struggle. Thyroid patients are not just making this up or using it as an excuse and weight loss already can be difficult. Um, Weight loss with thyroid issues, I think in many cases is more difficult you know, I've heard experts say, it's like, you just have like a more narrow path to, to go down, Mm -hmm. you might not have as much wiggle room as the person next to you. There's sometimes less we can get away with. Sometimes we can eat the same thing and do the same exercise as the person right next to us who is successfully losing weight and not lose any weight or even gain weight. And usually it's your husband too. Like it's it's like yeah, we're getting started. Like they have to like they have these have to watch you eat differently. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I know it makes me crazy. My husband's like, "Oh, I stopped drinking beer for a week and lost five pounds." I'm like, I don't even want to hear it. It's like I haven't (laughs) drinking beer in like years. (laughs) Yeah, I don't. Yeah, beer. What are are you kidding me? Um, and I, I don't like point any of this out about, you know, thyroid and, and weight to be discouraging at all, but just to acknowledge that is that this is like, it's just a reality for many people with thyroid issues. And also to kind of illuminate that I think what it does for a lot of us is it drives us to go to extremes. Mm-hmm. to be cereal dieters, to be yo-yo dieters, to get mm-hmm. sucked into this toxic diet culture. And underneath all of that is often this underlying battle with our bodies, the body shame, you know, being at war with our body, self-loathing, low self-esteem, some really unkind self-talk. 
or just getting stuck in this, why me? Like what, this is so unfair, mm-hmm. you know? And I know you're no stranger to this territory because, you know, obviously one of your specialties is helping women with mindset around weight loss. So I guess my, my first question about that is like, where do you begin helping <laughs> clients who come to you and who are struggling with this conundrum? Mm-hmm. So a lot of the women I work with do come to me because they want to lose weight. And, you know, I like to believe that when your body is at its healthy state, like when you're taking care of your health, your body's going to get to its happy, healthy weight, which may not be the size you want to be. <laughs> and nobody knows what you're supposed to weigh. When it comes to things, actually, that's, a, that's one thing why doing some of the functional lab testing has been so powerful for a lot of my clients, because they now have something else to focus on. Other than like, like, like now they look at their adrenal health or they look at their thyroid health or they look at, you know, their, just their digestive system. They're like, well, I have things I want to work on right now because weight loss is, is the consequence if it's going to happen. And and sometimes we just have this idea that we're supposed to weigh a certain weight thing is not, it's not there. But if you are struggling with hypothyroidism, your first goal is not to lose weight. Your first goal is like, well, what do I need to support my body? Um, because the weight loss goal often goes completely uh, like it's counterproductive to supporting your body because often when you need to heal your thyroid, you need food. You need, like, you can't just diet your way. Like I, I had so many women, I did not realize how many women I was working with. Cause I never, like, I don't, we don't count calories. We don't look at, we don't even talk that much about food, honestly, but we're coming to me lately trying to maintain a 1400 calorie, 1200 calorie diet for years. And it's just like, well, no wonder everything is downregulated because it's it's so it's so slow. Um, so when it comes to the you know shifting your mindset, a big first piece is awareness because it's really hard to change things when we're not aware of things. And so often our own self talk is almost goes under the surface, like we don't even know that we're saying these things. About once a year, I do a five-day challenge called the Self-Sabotage Solution Challenge. And the first day, um, the, this kind of topic is called Your Thoughts Are Making You Fat. And it's really just about women just understanding and starting to become aware of like, what are the things that they're telling themselves? And when they tell themselves those things, what are the feelings and what are the actions? And that's a really good place to start is just like, so what's my relationship to my own? Like when I look at myself in the mirror, what do I think? What do I think I sh- I should look like, and how might that be impacting my life? It's there is you know you said at the, at the beginning um, we like this linear <laughs> path forward. It's like well give me like the five step process, give me the check boxes, and let me do it. But it's not like that. It really does start with I think the awareness piece, and sometimes you can work on some of the thoughts, and then you don't realize down the road you're starting to become aware again, and you realize. That there's these other things that are coming up and they're just, they're, they're so, it could just be little things like, oh, you know, of course you're going to do that. Like you always, you always fail, or it could be just body checking. It could be putting your clothes on and just, or wearing clothes that don't really feel good because you want to like remind yourself that you have weight to lose. Um. Another good question is to ask is how would life be different if I felt good in my body? 
Mm. Because sometimes we don't even know, but we're like, well, if I had full body confidence, like, what would that look like? And then you can start to see like, well, well, if that's what I want, where am I right now? Where's the gap? Because we start to build that awareness piece. Um, so that's, I think that's a, a, an important first step is just starting to become asking yourself those questions. And then when it comes to the motivation behind doing things, sometimes we do things like we want to lose weight because we don't feel like we're enough right now. It's almost like I'm doing it because I want to love myself or I am going doing those workouts because I'm not enough right now. I'm only enough if I, you know, eat the certain way or do the certain thing. And when you can start to even become aware of that, it's like, what what would it look like to do those things because I love myself the way I am right now? Mm -hmm. You know, when you, if you think about things that you love in your life, like I love my cats a lot. I three of them. I love them. I take care of them. You know, if you love something in your home or you love your, your kids, you take care of them. And so when we can start to start to have this relationship with ourselves, the great thing is that we actually naturally want to take care of ourselves, but in a way that makes sense, a way that's not punishing, a way that is actually going to really nourish ourselves. And it all sounds really great in theory, and I have some practices to, to help, but I think that that's where it starts from is, and even just listening to this conversation right here, because sometimes we just go through our lives and we're thinking about the next thing, or you know, we're, we just go through our lives and then you hear some, a conversation like this and you're like, wait, wait a second, like, what is my relationship with myself? Do I like myself? What do I think about my body? Um, and, and just to start to ask those questions. Yeah. Oh, that resonates so true to me. And, you know, especially makes me think of so many of my coaching clients who want so desperately to lose weight. And, you know, they start at that place of like with that goal and, mm-hmm what I think the healing journey requires is I call it like the thrivers mindset is it, you have to adopt this long-term mindset. This health is a, it's a journey, not a destination. Mm -hmm. So how do we kind of change our thinking around that and get to a point where instead of like, I'm, I just want to tell me what to eat and do so I can lose this weight. Cause I have, hypothyroidism or Hashimoto's, for example, to how can I really love myself so that I feel my best? How can I tap into my own intuition and wisdom about what my body needs? How can I listen more closely and accurately to the feedback my body gives me about Mm -hmm. the different inputs that I give it? Um, I guess I I, want to ask you, you know, do you feel that weight loss makes a good goal or do you see more success with weight loss when the goal is kind of something else and then weight loss just happens as a happy side effect? Can we talk about Mm -hmm. that? Yeah. And before actually what you said there about the long term, I think that's a really important mindset shift too, is, is playing the long game because even things like, well, how do I learn how to listen to my body? Like that's not a habit that you learn today and you're you're an expert at it. Like that's a long-term <laughs> practice to have that we're going to fail at many, many times. And when it comes to us, like also healing our bodies, like it is a long-term thing and you're right. There is no destination. There is no arrival point. And there also is no arrival point where we're always having wonderful thoughts about our body and, and we're always on our own side or anything like that too. But I do something, uh, Jenny, called 
inspire goal setting. And because when it comes to goals, we're often taught smart goals and smart goals can be helpful on a day-to-day basis. Like for example, well, my goal today is to go for a walk. Like that's a pretty specific goal for today. But when it comes to smart goals, is that like a specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, or action-based, realistic, depending on what your acronym, time-bound. When it comes to weight loss, we are pretty much given like left to, well, my goal is to lose 10 pounds by, you know, by December 31st. And here's the action steps kind of thing. And I find smart goals super uninspiring, like really, really uninspiring. I've never woken up in the morning and think like, oh, today's the day I'm going to like, you know, lose half a pound. Or if I do these things, like it's just blah, <laughs> like it's not fun. Um, so yeah, I do. I think it's valid and I think it's okay to have a weight loss goal be a part of you know, the big picture. That's totally fine. But it has to be in context with the big picture goal, which often is so why do you want to lose weight in the first place? Like, do you want more energy? Like what's the weight loss going to bring you? Do you want more confidence? Do you want to have a better relationship with food? Do you want to feel more free uh, like with, with your sex life? Do you want to uh, speak up more? Do you want to, like, what do you want? What would weight, if you think weight loss is the goal, what's that going to bring you? Because often we say things like, yeah, I want more confidence, I want more, all the kind of things. And the problem with, I mean, I get it. Like when we, a lot of women, when they lose weight, they do feel more confident. They do feel, but that becomes a condition. It's like, well, I love myself when, and it's conditional love. And now a lot of those, we get to the weight loss goal. Now you're afraid of whether or not you're going to be able to stick with it because it becomes like the only thing that's like all of your self-worth, all of your confidence is, is resting on this idea. Like to have, I, am I able to, to lose weight and, or keep the weight off? And that could be causing a lot of fear and a lot of anxiety about actually keeping it off. So I do really recommend that women start with inspire goals, which is those things like, I want to feel fit, vibrant, healthy, and alive. I want to have more joy and less stress in my life. Like what are, what are the feelings that you're after? And then when you lead with that, the great thing too, is that you are able to make better decisions based on those goals. Because when you have, I know most of us have had this experience before when it's solely a weight loss goal, it's so easy to justify, you know, overindulging today or, um, or, you know, or skipping your, not to say like, when I say skipping your workouts, it's really valid. And it's actually a really good practice sometimes to skip your workouts for various reasons. But let's say like, it's just that sort of like that sort of self-sabotage kind of cycle that you're, you're getting at. You can, in your mind, justify it because you can make up for tomorrow. You can make up for, you know, I can, well, I can even less tomorrow. I can fast tomorrow. I'm going to skip breakfast and lunch. And, and from a weight loss perspective, which eventually is you know, somewhat about being calorie deficit, you can get away with it. But when it comes to things like, I want to be joyful and I want to have a peaceful relationship with food and I want to take really good care of myself. I want to, I want to feel like fit, nourished and well, I want to feel vibrant. You can't just you know, go off the rails today and make up for it because you're not going to feel good because we don't feel good when we do that. So I find that really helpful as a guiding light. And it's just more of a, it's more of a true goal because ultimately that's what we're after. It's, um, it's about the weight loss, what the weight loss is going to bring us. And I, and I do want to say once again, like you can absolutely want to lose weight and that's totally okay. You just got to understand what the weight loss actually, it's, it's role in that equation. Mm -hmm. The greater purpose that it's serving. Exactly. Okay. Yes. I love that shift in thinking. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I, I recently, you mentioned something 
um, a few minutes ago about, you know, wearing clothes that don't fit. Mm. And I listened to one of your recent podcast episodes and you were talking about jeans and how much you're loving the current jean style. Loving it. I, I am a hundred percent with you on. I love these like high-waisted, comfortable jeans. I too am hoping and praying that the low rise, I call them muffin top jeans, <laughs> never yes. the light of day. <laughs> you don't have to come back. I'm wearing them right now. And I wear these jeans as if I was wearing jogging pants. Like I will just, I'll wear them first thing in the morning because they're just so comfy. These ones are from, uh, I don't remember actually where they're from now, but um, American Eagle, like they're from. And they're just like a little bit stretchy, a little bit loose, a little bit like high waist. Fantastic. Yeah. Because when you wear clothes that don't feel good in your body, and I think we've done that, we don't want to get rid of our clothes. We don't want to bag bigger clothes. So you like squeeze yourself into these tight clothes thinking that's going to motivate you to lose weight or to do things. It doesn't. It makes you feel crappy. And when you feel crappy, you don't want to take care of yourself. You don't want to move. You don't want to, you want to just like stay there because it's uncomfortable. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It really, um, you know, just was so uh, relatable to me. That conversation you were talking about, you know, putting your jeans on at the end of the summer and they weren't fitting as comfortably as you remembered, you know, before. And it was like, you went out and bought new jeans because why force yourself? You know, you can do like a closet overhaul in this way too. I think some of us, we cling to like these old clothes thinking that, you know, waking up to that every morning will somehow motivate us to, you know, fit into (laughs) these clothes that just don't fit our bodies anymore. Sometimes I think even if we were to lose weight, like our bodies just kind of change shape as we mature too. So, you know, even if we weighed the same as we did when we were 25, doesn't mean we're going to be exactly the same shape as we were when we were 25. So exactly. No, absolutely. And I think we just almost like just all like just normalize that a little bit because we still have this idea and I think there's more and more role models now, more and more, I'm seeing more and more like women who are aging and like just embracing their bodies. Like through menopause, most women gain five to eight pounds. Like it's just, and that's not a bad thing. It's not like you're doing it wrong. It's like this menopause weight gain. It's just, it's just, it's like, it's just what the body does and stuff. And that's okay. You know, we have this sometimes this big fear, like so of like, of what weight gain is supposed to mean to us and, and what it means. And like, what if we just did, I mean, I, I don't, I do believe that, you know, if you're, there is like a, a, a range where like, you know, it does like health does matter for sure. Um, but that range is, you know, not as small as we think it is. Like you could be, you know, sometimes we like, we always think we had to lose that, those 20 pounds or, or 10 pounds. And like, it's not necessarily for health reasons. And, and, then it just comes down to what we've been taught and what we've been sold in terms of our culture and what is acceptable and are we lovable? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So much about self-worth there and mm-hmm. yeah, that inner dialogue. Well, I, I just loved your take on that because, you know, my husband's grandmother was a competitive ballroom dancer into her eighties and oh, wow. she was, I don't know, five ten, five eleven, like just very naturally, genetically long and lean. 
But she once told me um, when she was still alive, never buy bigger clothes because you're just going to grow into them. You know, if your clothes start to get tight, like just keep wearing them and that will motivate you to like stay the same size. And I really adopted that belief, you know, for a long time. And I would just like make myself try to fit into these uncomfortable jeans or uncomfortable clothes until I figured out a way to get my weight down. And sometimes maybe even for a long time, I felt like that may have worked a little bit, but you know, at 46, I'm at this point where that doesn't work anymore. And, and I needed to buy some new jeans. And I think part of being in this season of life is that, you know, not only is there some acceptance of the changes that's required, but also I just feel less willing to be uncomfortable. (laughs) I know me too. (laughs) Maybe that's pandemic carryover too, but I'm just like, I'm sorry. Life is too short to be in these tight. Uh, I I agree. (laughs) Something there that was really um, insightful, and I want to bring up is that the season of life. I think that's really important too, because because you buy bigger clothes. Like, let's say you did gain a few pounds, and you're like, "Well, I actually do want to lose that weight." You can still buy bigger clothes and still want to lose weight too. If that's if that's makes sense, it's just that you're going to be comfortable in the process, and it's this a mindset shift. It's like a a energetic shift of like not fighting your body, not punishing your body, but staying with your body, no matter what, Mm -hmm. not being like, Oh, you can, I'm only going to love you. I'm only going to let you feel good when you are a certain size. It's like, well, no, like you're accessible now. And you can, if, if weight loss is a goal and that's like, it, it makes sense, you can still pursue that if you want to while wearing clothes that feel good. It's a wonderful thing. (laughs) So, yeah. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a good we could have we could have both if we want to. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one thing that I feel is such a strength of yours is is that mindset piece and the self-talk piece and reframing our thinking, reorganizing the way we think about these things so that we can come at them from a different angle and you know, when I talk to my community about weight loss, a phrase I use a lot is cracking the code, right? And it's that like, we try this and we try it and we just keep trying, you know, and some of that continuing to try is what we eat. Some of it's how we move our body. A lot of it's how we shift our thinking, Mm -hmm. you know, some of it comes down to caring for our adrenal health, reducing stress, getting enough sleep, drinking enough water, you know, all those things that help our bodies get to a point where they're, I think, even willing to maybe release some weight to kind of chill out on that self-protection mechanism Mm -hmm. and like let it go. But I was wondering about maybe some affirmations, like, are there any specific affirmations that you love, or, or I guess, how do you feel about affirmations? Maybe mm-hmm. anything that comes to mind for those times when like our body is just not what we want it to be or what it used to be, or it's not cooperating with our efforts. Sure. Sure. And affirmations, I, I call think of affirmations as preloading your brain with the thoughts you want to think, because quite often like, an affirmation is just a statement. It's just a thought, but often our first thoughts that come from the sky or the universe or whatever are not the thoughts we want to think or not the thoughts that we want to have. They can sometimes be quite harmful or just not true, not kind. 
Um, so affirmations are, well, I'm just going to load myself up and start to practice the thoughts I want to think. And I think they can be really helpful. It's one part of um, of changing your mindset. I think we also need to work on having better conversations and not just stopping at our first thoughts. Often we do that where our first thoughts say something and then we just believe that to be true and that's where it ends and, and then it doesn't work too well. Um, you know, I, I shared at the beginning that one, that one about my body's trying the best she can for me. Like that one, I find it's very, um, you're not saying that like, oh, I love my body because you might not love your body and that's okay. But it's something that I think a lot of us can get behind that. I mean, with Hashimoto's, it's not like your body just like randomly decided to hate on itself and attack itself. Like there's a reason why it's doing that. And so, and the reason often makes sense. So, so how can we like, just know that, that, that no matter what, that your body is trying the best she can for you. That one I find very helpful. Um, I think also when it comes to like the whole like body appreciation, body, body acceptance, body love, um, often we like love feels very far away for a lot of people and very foreign. Like, no, I don't love my body. And and fair, maybe you have significant amount of weight to lose and you're just like, I just I just don't love my body right now. And and maybe that's not your goal, but maybe your goal is to be to respect your body. And say like, well, I might not love it in, in its current shape, but I can also respect it. And that could be a, one step in the right direction. One of my mantras I think about too is that I will never abandon my body. And it's not really a mantra as much like an, or an affirmation, but just sort of this mindset shift that no matter what, I'm going to stick with her. Like I'm going to support her. I'm going to take care of her, whether she's gained weight or lost weight or um, is sick or whatever. It's like that, like when you get married, like from sex and sickness and health. Um, I will take care of my body. And I find that uh, really quite powerful. And we actually had this conversation on coaching call last, uh, I think it was actually yesterday as well about body appreciation. And one thing you can do too, is starting to be more proactive. Like say like every time, lots of times we look at ourselves in the mirror, we see a photo of ourselves and our first thoughts are pretty harmful. They're pretty, (laughs) they're not kind. You can also just practice every time you get out of the shower, look at yourself in the mirror naked and you can start with neutral thoughts such as I have a body or I have thighs, I have arms. Like it, it's not saying anything about them. It's just, it's just saying the fact. And that could be a good place to start. And the next place to start is to look at the things that you do love about yourself and also not just the physical appearance. Because if you think about the people that we loved in our life, like I love my husband, I love my son. I like, I think my husband's hot, but I don't love him because he's hot. Right. I love him because of him. And same thing with my son. It's not like I like only love my son because he's, I think he's a cutie pie, but that's not why I love him. I love him because of him. And that's what we do for other people. So we can do that for ourselves too. We can love ourselves with all of our imperfections, with all of our, because we know ourselves. And you can also love your body for the things it's able to do. You know, your breasts, if they've, maybe they fed children and maybe your arms can give hugs, your legs can take you places and walk. There's really like, you can start with, start with that. And it really is a practice. There is like, like you said, there's, we're playing the long game. This is a long-term thing. There is no arriving where all of our thoughts are going to be positive and happy and kind to ourselves, uh, body acceptance, body appreciation, body respect, um, body love, 
Self-love is a practice and it really is something that we get to work on every single day by doing practices like the one I shared, by doing little things like just noticing and, you know, like moisturizing your hands really well, or those are simple things that you can do on a regular basis to start to build that relationship with yourself. Yes. A practice. Yeah. I love thinking about it that way. And I know one thing I, even just in this conversation, I think something that's shifted for me is the way you talk about your body as she, Mm -hmm. she, she's doing the best she can for you. And I've always thought about it as it, you know, and I feel like referring to my body as a, she sort of, I don't know, feels like it deepens that connection. It does. And it's hard to know why I agree. It's hard to articulate why that is, but it feels different and yeah. you might have, I guess, different pronouns depending on what resonates with you, but sure, of like, course. I, and I call, I call my body a she, and I think it me personifies my body more. So it's not just like this thing. <laughs> it's yeah. actually like a living being and it's, you know, it's part of, part of me. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Wow. Thank you so much for all the ways that you have expanded our thinking today. Um, I did have a couple more questions for you. Uh, I was curious about, you mentioned um, intuitive eating Mm -hmm. and, you know, that's really there. There's really like a philosophy and a science Mm -hmm. behind that. And for the listeners who maybe aren't familiar with intuitive eating, I was wondering if you could maybe talk about it a little bit, just tell us a little bit about what it is, kind of the basics of that philosophy. Sure. And to be honest, I don't like, I don't practice it and I don't, I haven't teaching my clients anymore. Got um, it. And I never, I never really did. It was more, I think it was just like the rejection of the, of the diet mentality. And it's, it's mm-hmm. intuitively, I mean, I shouldn't say it completely. There's practice parts of it that I do. And it's, it's really comes down to just really, really listening to your own body. Mm-hmm. And it's rejecting the diet mentality, rejecting even the idea that you need to lose weight, rejecting the facts that foods are good or bad, and just starting to really notice like what how things feel in your body. I do find for a lot of people, um, in my experience anyway, like the way I coach, I would say it would be too sometimes too big of a jump. I think sometimes people still need like a little bit of guidance in terms of um, you know how to put meals together and stuff because, or something like with Hashimoto's, you you don't just get like there are dietary restrictions that you're going to have if you're on an autoimmune protocol, which is why the mindset piece is so important. So it may not feel super intuitive, but you can still, I think just still see foods as neutral. I mean, it's just food and some foods are going to feel better for you and some foods are not going to feel better for you. But I follow more of a, um, I do a lot of the mindset pieces, like a ton of the mindset work. And I also make sure that the goals for each of my clients match the reality of their life. So depending on, you know, not just the time, but the bandwidth of their life and their their mental space and their mental capacity to make changes. Sometimes we think we have lots of time. We think time's a limiting factor, but often it's what's happening up here and just our headspace. I mean, for example, eating at nighttime is a habit that a lot of people struggle with, like just snacking at nighttime. It takes no more time to not eat at night than it does to eat at night. In fact, it takes less time but it's more just the the mental space that we were that that's that's lacking or that's we don't have enough of that bandwidth to make those choices. Mm-hmm. So I do a lot of that work, but it was um I think for me the in the book is called intuitive eating. 
uh, if anyone wants to read it, it was, I think, a really strong 180 degree shift from the diet mentality. And that was scary for me, really scary, because it was, if you always regressed your coaching and your philosophy on something, and then what you thought to be true was no longer true, it's kind of scary. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's also a great opportunity for growth <laughs> for you know, in, in, in discovering something else. Yeah, that's not the first time I've heard that about intuitive eating that a lot of people experience resistance to it, which, you know, maybe speaks to how hardwired we are to think of our totally. our bodies this way. And one of the things I really, um, I, I don't know a ton about it, you know, I have learned about it kind of uh, through osmosis and have interviewed some people who really specialize in it over the years, but um, the moving away from putting foods into a bad or good pile, Mm -hmm. I find incredibly helpful for, you know, myself as a driver in my community. Yeah. For all of us, because I think we have this innate tendency to want to think that way this is bad. This is good. I'm going to eat the good and avoid the bad. And it just, it's so much more complex than that. Totally. And, um, even with things like, you know, in the autoimmune and thyroid community, there's a lot of, um, confusion and conflicting opinions about things like nightshades or Mm -hmm. legumes or, is there ever, let's just right. say that same thing with like candida protocols. I'm like, I even know, like, I mean, I, we can all agree like sugar and candida don't seem to go well together, but everything else I'm like, and they all have their, like, yeah. it's all their own thing. And same and thyroid, oh my gosh. Like, and then there's like the whole iodine thing. And there's like there's all these like, <laughs> like, like different views on everything. <laughs> and I hear it every day. Oh, I heard, you know, you have an egg recipe. I heard you shouldn't have eggs. And, you know, really what it comes down to over and over for most things in terms of like thyroid healthy eating is it really just comes down to the individual. Sure, some of us are very much sensitive to things like eggs, grains, legumes, nightshades. It really depends on the person. But to say across the board, like, oh, I heard some people react Mm -hmm. to nightshades because they have natural toxins. So they're in the bad pile now. I'm going to completely avoid them. And we're talking about really healthy foods and phytonutrients that we absolutely need. You know, I mean, if you're, I'm not saying you have to eat nightshades if you're sensitive to them. I want to be clear about that. But you know what I mean? Like there's people out there, I think, who are avoiding things when they don't really need to be avoiding them. Totally. And um, yeah, so I, I do very much appreciate that about intuitive eating. And I, I guess the one last question I was curious about, you know, as a functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner, you mentioned, you know, um, integrating testing, which you're able to do. Mm-hmm. And I wondered if there's anything that stands out to you as far as common underlying root causes that lead to maybe weight loss resistance where you maybe like this on testing and okay, well now let's correct this. And now this person is able to, you know, get to uh, a healthy weight that, 
you know, or move the needle in the right direction or the direction they want. Yeah, there's lots. And and from a science perspective, like in order to be in a weight loss, in order to lose weight, you have to be in a calorie deficit. Like it's, that's just what has to happen. But calorie deficit is so much more than the food that we eat and the exercise that we do. And that's what we think about often is like, we just need to like move more, eat less, and then we're going to lose weight. It works for some people for at least a little bit of time, but then it doesn't, uh, it doesn't work for every long term. So a lot of the, the, uh, like from the habit perspective, a lot of people are chronically under eating and like everything has just shifted and you cannot go into a calorie deficit when you're already trying to eat at 1400 calories. Or, I mean, honestly, for a lot of people too, they try to under eat, but then cannot stick with it because they're under eating and they rebound. And so often it's like the weekends or you know, these things go up and then sometimes they, so I think a, a really good place to start too is like if, if weight loss is a goal is, and this is not really good talking about the test itself, but just seeing where like, like legit, like how much are you consuming? Like it's a, it's a good test. Cause sometimes, and, and I'm not like some people are like, grow, like underestimating their caloric consumption. And sometimes they should be having more, which as well. And some are completely under, it's just good to see for like for a couple of weeks, like where you're at. So that's going to be a great kind of baseline. That's not really a, a test, but when it comes to weight loss resistance, um, sometimes it's cortisol. I see that a lot, either very low or very high that one can get in the way. Um, it's rare that I love it when I get a full thyroid panel, but it's quite rare that I see that often. It's just the TSH, sometimes T4, T3, but very rarely. Um, but even with that, like you see, like not necessarily like a full diagnosis of Hashimoto's, but you see the th- the T3 being a little bit lower than we'd like to see, or the T4, same thing. And um, those are ones that become, I also do mineral testing. Um, I use the HTMA test with my clients and we often see things like a high calcium, uh, low potassium can interfere. Sometimes it's the uh, sodium magnesium ratio that could be there too. Uh, blood sugar regulation is a huge one. Insulin resistance is is um, going to be a, really make it hard to lose weight. And even sometimes when we do the gut health testing, like having an imbalance of the different types of gut bacteria can be um, just make it harder to lose weight or candida, things like that too. So there's lots of things that can get in the way. Um, but I do find like sometimes like the things like the, the big ones are stress. It's chronic dieting, which is a stressor in the body. Um, those are huge. And like, like I said, blood sugar dysregulation or just like insulin resistance is another big one that comes up a lot. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so it's, those are ones that we see quite often. And that goes back to that idea again, of just looking at healing your body and not just trying to diet your way to weight loss because it doesn't work. And, and not for the long term anyway. Like, and it can work for a while. And I know there's people who still go on like these low calorie diets for like I, I hope that it's able to work for them and they can keep it off, but I just know what the reality is for most people. And it's not a good, it's not a good thing. It doesn't it doesn't usually end well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that that really confirms kind of what I was thinking about and what really jumped out to me about all those tests you mentioned. It's like these are all things correlated with hypothyroidism or Hashimoto's adrenal issues, you know, mineral deficiencies. Um, You mentioned HTMA, which is uh, hair tissue mineral analysis for the listeners who maybe aren't familiar with that Um, gut flora imbalances, you know, Mm -hmm. and also you mentioned the, the calorie deficit. I think that is very, very common 
among my audience because we we struggle so hard to lose weight so that well we think and often we're advised by our doctors eat less exercise more eat less exercise more we're, we're just drilled into our heads to the point where we don't realize we've been in a calorie deficit for years which is going to affect your metabolism yeah absolutely i know it's tough hey and and that's where taking or putting weight loss off the table can be really effective because if you have this weight loss goal and then you're told that you need to eat more, then you're like, well, maybe I'll eat more, but I'm hoping that I'm going to eat more in order to lose weight. Cause we have this idea. Sometimes like, you know, people say that they eat more and they often lose weight. That sometimes happens, but sometimes you also gain some weight. Like it's possible too. Um, but your body sometimes needs to go through that to heal too, which is just, it just is. And if we can, I mean, ultimately shift our perspective around weight gain, I think it can be really powerful. I think sometimes like if you imagine all of a sudden you you were an alien and you arrived on planet earth and everyone was maybe your body shape plus 20 extra pounds, or that was like the models. They were like, you know, just a little bit, how would you feel about your body? (laughs) Because it's just, it's, it's such a kind of a far out there uh, kind of thought experiment because you're like, well, that doesn't exist. And it probably, it it wouldn't exist because we don't have that experience now, but imagine if that's what if that's what it was, it just makes you realize that so much of our fear about weight gain is about what we, is our attitudes about weight and, and talking about like, you know, body stuff and body appreciation. One thing you could do is really just cleanse your social media and just make sure that the things that you are taking in are helpful for you that, and if it's not body positive, at least just do you know cats and stuff like that, like on, on social media. So you're having things that are not this idea of, um, always trying to get to a smaller size. I mean, there's so many of those, you know, fitspiration kind of things, you know, there's like someone saying progress, not perfection. And she's probably has like 10% body fat and super sculpted. I'm like, (laughs) what does that mean? (laughs) And a lot of surgical body augmentation and airbrushing and all, you know, filters and all of it. (laughs) Photoshop. Absolutely. Yeah. Impossible standards. Great advice, Tanya, and great insights and just thought provoking ideas. Thank you so much for sharing your, your wisdom and expertise with us. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate um, getting to chat and I look forward to having you on my podcast next, next week as well. Yeah. I'm excited for that interview. Um, Where can people find you online? Yeah, thank you. And the best is probably, well, if you listen to podcasts, the podcast is a good place, the Fit and Vibrant You podcast. And then my website is tanyashaw.com. So T-A-N-J-A-S-H-A-W.com. And then that will link to all my social media accounts as well. And then you also have a quiz on weight loss roadblocks. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yep. It's about two minutes. Um, I have it on my website as well, or if you go to fitvibrantquiz.com, it'll probably be up for another year. So till the end of 2024, I think, and I'll probably take it down. But it's, yeah, it, it goes over what's your kind of, I think there's five different options, but what's the number one thing that gets in the way of you losing weight? And then after that, you actually get some, not just identify the problem, but some help <laughs> to overcome it too, which is what we all want. Well, that sounds perfect and great for all the listeners who are interested in this topic to, who want to learn more about you and your work 
to go and do that uh, fit vibrant quiz. I'll put those links in the show notes for everyone. Awesome. Thanks so much. So much again, Tanya, it's been great meeting you and I'll look forward to our next conversation. Yeah, me too. And if you've enjoyed the show, please don't forget to like subscribe and leave a review. I'm Ginny Mahar wishing you the best of health. I'll see you next time.